Hey everyone, welcome back to Living Beyond Sunday, the podcast where we really talk about the Christian life. My name is Jonathan Sams and I'm back here with Pastor Mike. And Pastor Mike, we have some listener questions and I want to tee it up for us before we get into them. We're going to answer actually three different listener questions, all from the same listener because he is currently a church member here leading a Bible study of young Christians and they have these questions. And so the reason we want to answer these questions is because they are walking through these passages of scripture, asking legitimate questions, and we want to help them in their walk as they navigate these various issues. And so the first question I'd like for you to answer today from, from our listeners is, did Judas go to hell? And I think this is one that um, a lot of new believers and old believers still kind of go back and forth on. And so what do you think when it comes to, to did Judas go to hell? Yeah, I think it's a great question. It's also um, it's very relevant in the sense of you've got a guy who was all around the things of Jesus but couldn't have been further from him. And um, I think it's really important to recognize that because there's a lot of people that are around the things of Christ, but they've not surrendered to the person and work of Christ. And I think Judas is a big example of that. And I think he serves as that chief example to really show us how close you can be to Jesus um, and yet be so far from him when it comes to your heart and, and who you're surrendered to. Um, you can go through the motions. Um, you can have behavior modification. But ultimately, the transformation that happens at our heart um, has to come through the the uh, person and work of the Holy Spirit. And I think with, with Judas... Why I say that is what what we get an example of is a guy who um, hadn't possessed a new heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think um, we get evidence of that in a couple of ways. The first one is in Luke uh, chapter 22, verse 3, uh, we see that that Satan actually kind of comes into him or, or takes over his heart. Um, John references heart. Luke just talks about and came into. Um, and so one of the things that we know is as, as Christians, um, the the enemy, Satan, can't fully possess your your whole body. You can't because you're a, um, you've are you been hidden in Christ and um you know, who's in the Father's hand, you can't be plucked out, and um, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so um, we, we know very clearly that the enemy, that Satan, can't take over, uh, fully take over somebody that is a, uh, a Christ follower, who has a, a transformed heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, that happened. Also, if you go to um, Acts chapter 1, um, when we see uh, them, they're replacing Judas, and they're talking about it, and they're kind of like, hey, you know, we've got to replace Judas, he was among us, and so they go to do it. And uh, I'll just pick up in uh, verse 18. Um, now this man, talking about uh, Judas, acquired a field uh, with his unrighteous wages. He fell headfirst, his body burst open, and his intestines spilled out. This became known among all the residents of Jerusalem, so that they're, in their own language, uh, the field is called uh, the field of blood. Um, and for it is written in Psalms, so this is kind of a, a prophecy of what was going to happen. Let his, talking about Judas, let his dwelling place become desolate. Let no one live in it. Let someone else take his possessions. And so what we see there pretty clearly is, um, uh, a man that was not um, in Christ, that hadn't surrendered to Christ. And again, I think for the listeners, for those of you listening, like this is a, a big warning to say, where is your heart actually? Um, and are you truly uh, surrendered to Christ or are you just around the things of Christ? And so to answer your question, I believe that Judas um, did not go to heaven, that he is separated from God for all of eternity. Yeah, and that's a really good answer. And one more thing to add on, you talk about uh, kind of demonic possession there because there's multiple different points, Luke 22, 3, John 13, where it talks about uh, at the Last Supper, uh, the devil entering into Judas's heart. And that would not be something that could happen to a believer indwelt by the Holy Spirit, like mm -hmm. you said. Um, also, uh, we won't go into it too much. It's probably not, maybe too theological, but Judas also is indicated in Scripture to have a, uh, a, a jaded view of Jesus's um, messiahship, if you will. Um, it, it is 
thought to be that he is of the belief that Jesus was actually supposed to bring about an earthly restoration of his kingdom right then and there and didn't have a clear picture as to what Jesus was doing when it comes to the spiritual savior that he was to be. And so once again, it all goes back to what Judas really believed about Jesus and uh, what eventually ended up proving itself to be true. And that was that he didn't believe. Yeah, that's a good ad. Um, next question here from, uh, from the listener is what is God's plan for our lives? That's very broad, but, uh, I think you have a really good answer. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is a really good one. A lot of times people, he, I think he said plan. There's a question, um, or he or she said, um, uh, plan. A lot of people ask like, what is God's will for my life? Right. Um, that's kind of how they ask it. And I think a great starting line when we look at like, what is God's will for my life is understanding that God's will for your life is not this like path in the jungle that you're trying to find. And you're like at crossroads going like, is God's will that I go right or go left? Like, I don't know where it is. I can't find it. It's lost. What do I do? And I think so often as Christians, we, we picture it that way, or maybe even as non-Christians, it's like, man, it's this kind of mysterious thing that we're trying to like feel our way through in the dark, hoping that we are in line with quote unquote God's will or plan for our, our lives. I remember just a funny story when I was in college um, and uh, I hadn't, uh, I was like, you know, in the process of like, well, I want to get married one day. And it's like, well, if I go to class this way on the college campus, I might not meet the girl that God has for me uh, versus if I go this way, I might, you know, and I just, I felt like I would miss God's quote unquote will for my life and his plan. Um, or that one person picked out, which I do not believe there's one person picked out. That's another, another podcast. Another podcast another day. Set that aside. Um, yeah. But it was all about like, what is God's will for my life and what do I do? Um, so let me just be really helpful on this um, and just take you to Ephesians chapter one um, and start kind of big picture and then make it very personal for, for those that are listening. Um, one of the things that we see in Ephesians chapter one, uh, verse nine, very clearly, is we see the holistic... Um, will of God laid out. And I'll just read it to you. It's verse nine. It said, he He made known uh, to us um, of his will. That is, God made known to us of his will according to his good pleasure uh, that he had purposed in Christ as, as uh, a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. And so what we see from Paul as he writes to the church in Ephesus here in Ephesians 1.9 is that God's will is Jesus. So that was his sovereign ordained will for the entire world. Um, at the right time, his plan would happen. It was going to be Christ. It was Christ. And the purpose of that is to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. So that is God's will for uh, the world. And so as, as us, as Christ followers, that means that um, when it comes to like, what is God's will for my life? Uh, it is to know and love Jesus and to live in light of who Jesus has made you to be. And so there's other places in scripture where it does talk about, so you have God's sovereign will for the world, and then you do have God's will as it's laid out for the, like how we should live. Those are the two kind of frameworks that we get in scripture. And we just talked about the big one. The second one, kind of the second piece is how God's called us to live. Um, his will for our life is obedience. It is following Jesus, surrendering to Jesus, living in light of kind of how we say it here, living in light of who Christ has made us to be. So we respond to the work of Jesus, which is God's sovereign will. And as we respond to the work of Jesus, we live out God's will for our lives, which is holiness, obedience, being set apart. That's what holy is for the sake of God's kingdom and, and God's glory. And so when you're like, what is God's will for my life? It is what um, what is m obedient in this moment and in this time. And what is most Christ-exalting? Those are ways that you can process, like, what is God's will for my life? Because he ultimately wants you to know and love Jesus and live in light of Jesus. Yeah, it just makes me think of, um, I don't know, this is very old, but the tracks that say, like, do you know that God has a wonderful plan for your life? And then go on to talk about a bunch of different things. But to boil it down simply, when someone asks, if someone came up to you on the street and said, what is God's plan for my life? 
or what is God's will for my life? I think you did a good job saying that functionally you're asking the same question. It's simply be like Jesus. Yeah, to know God and make him known is really how you can kind of bullet yeah. down. Because um, it's one one is individual of knowing him, and the other is making him known in, in your life and your actions. And that is God's will. God's will is that we obey him. And the beauty of the gospel is even when we step out of obedience, we go back to the gospel, we know that we're forgiven, and it's that gospel that drives us and compels us back into obedience. Yeah, and talk a little bit, because I do think there is this aspect of, if you're saying the measure of what God's will is, is you just measure decisions by if it'll make us more like Christ or if it'll be more Christ-exalting. But what about in a situation where you're really unsure and you're just kind of like, well, maybe this is a wash. Maybe I could go either way. What would be your guidance to someone? Maybe it's like, for example, um, maybe there's really, you're looking at two different universities out of high school and um, there's not really a distinguished uh, factor towards one or the other that would be more or less Christ exalting. What would you counsel that high schooler to say? Like, how should they approach that decision or any decision like that? Well, I think if there's a church plant at one of them, you should go to that school with a church <laughs> plant. Right. Here. And, you know, <laughs> um, that's what we'd say here. But no, that's a great question, I, and I get the I get the the context of it. And I think you know, there's a lot of freedom. And this is the beauty. I think it takes the the burden off of us of like we're in the jungle or in this dark room trying to feel our way through God's will to going. Man, there's freedom if we have two great universities and we have two great opportunities. Like we can honor God at either one of them. And so maybe it's less about what we choose and more how we live in the process of the choosing. You know what I'm saying? So, and I think that's really helpful to think through. A lot of times you get hung up on like, what do I do? Do I do X or Y? And it's like, I don't know that that matters. I think what matters is what you do with the next steps after you pick X or Y. And I think that's the, the, the most important piece because you can live for God in both places. But when we get hung up on that decision of like, is it this or that? I mean, it takes away from ultimately the goal, which is to walk with Jesus, to follow Jesus at that university, whichever one it is. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for, thanks for giving that extra context. Um, the third question I think is one that uh, I, I think is a totally legitimate question and that it has to do with Jesus's miracles while he was here on earth. Um, the person asks, did Jesus really walk on water? Um, and there's a you know bunch of people out there that would say he didn't. And I would be of the camp that would say affirmatively he did. But you've got someone at, clearly asking that question. How would you go about answering that question? I think it's a great one. And I love these kind of just innocent, natural questions. I mean, that's a very natural question to ask when you're like, this dude walked on water, you know, like, what does that even mean? That I think gives us a a glimpse into a a potential opportunity to expand the conversation to really allow the individual that's asking this question to see who Jesus actually is. Um, We're talking about um, God in the flesh that is the um, author of all of creation, um, that Psalm 139 was the one that knit you together in your mother's womb. We're talking about God in the flesh, and I think this is the dividing line between Christianity. I know this is the dividing line between Christianity and all of the religions, um, and that is that Jesus is God. And so because Jesus is God, then absolutely he has the ability to walk on water. He's the one that um, made that water be there. You know, he uh, ultimately um, would would flex the, the greatest degree of power by raising from the dead. And so when we're talking about God in the flesh, there is nothing nothing that he can't do. Um, and so absolutely believe that is a, a very surefire reality. Uh, miracles, when it comes to the Bible, is something they just go hand in hand and not believe in miracles or not believe in the miraculous is to disregard the entire Bible. And so you've got to be able to hold that and say, I, if, if I believe the Bible, then I believe in all these miracles that happen as well, um, because I believe in a God that's bigger than I am. And I think part of the problem oftentimes on why we have trouble believing these things is we really think that God is just a truer and better version of us. Like he's just a little bit stronger, a little bit better, you know, a little bit, you know, whatever. When the reality is it, he just, it, we pale in comparison to who he is. And I think the more we kind of sit on those things like, wow, that is something he was actually 
able to do. It, it allows our minds to expand a little bit on the on the gap between who we are and who God is, but then also the beauty of the fact that God would come to us when he didn't have to. And so he came to the created, even though the created had rebelled against him. And so yeah. only the creator could reorient um, creation. And I think this is what's cool is because he's the creator, um, because he's the author of it all anyway, he can control it all. So he controls the wind and the waves. We see that. He calms the storm. He walks on the water. And so you see him kind of at, at one with his his creation. And so what's cool is you get this picture of God coming down to us, and then through that process, he does what we could never do for ourselves, which is make a way for us to be with him. Yeah, and I think uh, this piggybacks on another question that I was going to say for our next podcast, but I think they go hand in hand to a certain extent. And the question is, um, I have two parents that follow two different religions and they're telling me to follow, um, each different one. How do I know which one is right? And the assumption there is that one of those is Christianity. And the reason I think these flow hand in hand is because, um, you brought up a thing of, uh, the difference in Christianity is God coming to us and, not us not being required to work for God. We, we say it all the time. The difference between Christianity and any, any other religion is um, Christianity says done. Other religions say do, and maybe you'll make it. And uh, Christianity says God has done what you could never do. Other religions would say you got to work and potentially you don't know if the scales are going to balance in your favor at the end of your life. You just kind of got a, a hope. You know, you, you tell the story of when you were talking to Muslims about that and they just hold up their hands and balance the scales but when it comes to this person asking like, hey, how do I functionally, I think the the it goes hand in hand with miracles of like, who do you say Jesus is? What, yeah. Was he God or was he not? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what it boils down to of, and I get it. I mean, lots of um, um, compassion and uh, empathy for uh, people that are walking through this. And I know it's a very real reality of, you know, mom believes one thing, dad believes another, here I am kind of caught in the middle. What do I do? Or my parents believe something, you know, totally different than what I'm hearing. Um, And I think you've got to come back to the word of God that is very clear about the truth of God. And that is um, that God comes down to us to do what we could never do for ourselves to make a way when we never could. Um, And he bridges the gap for us. And and just quite candidly, I I think Christianity um, really in so many ways is the most refreshing to believe because it doesn't um, it doesn't say that you have to work for anything. It says everything's been given to you. It's it's gift based. It's a gift based um, salvation, and and that's the beauty that I think's behind it. And so, though I recognize maybe parents are telling you something, I would just really push you to look at what God's word says about who Jesus is. What I think is unique about all of the religions is they affirm the Bible, but then they add on their own words, and yeah. they kind of add on their own testaments or versions of the Bible, um, but all of them affirm the Bible, and then they have some excuse as to why there's inaccuracies. The, the truth is is that the manuscripts that we have in the Bible um, are, are substantially, like substantially greater than any of the other claims that they have or any other manuscripts or things that they kind of like felt like they had to add on. Um, and so I, I think going back to the original, like go to the Bible and just see what the Bible has to say about who Jesus is. Uh, and, and man, I think it's really, really clear. And I think it's important to sit back and evaluate that and realize there is weight in that decision, though. Who who you yeah. say Jesus is um, has eternal implications on your life. And yeah. I know it may be hard to choose Jesus and Christianity over what your parents believe, uh, but I promise you it'll be worth it. And my hope would be is that through your life, um, your parents actually find Jesus because y- really you're, you're part of something that's transformational. They're part of something that is about conformity. Uh, what they have will run out. What you have never will run out. Um, John 4, you have living water. And my hope and prayer would be that that living water would flow through you and your parents would see that in you and that true transformation, and it would draw them in. That would be my hope and prayer. Yeah, that's really good. And, you know, I hopefully want to add a little bit of color because I think that, you know, when it comes to the most common religions out there, 
um, apart from Christianity, functionally, I think what you said is really good. And that is that they will all affirm Jesus as a good teacher. They'll all affirm the Bible as a good book of wisdom, but then they will have separate texts that will argue something contrary to scripture um, contrary to the Bible, and then have some sort of excuse as to why the Bible you're holding in your hand is corrupted or um, is is messed up. And I would just piggyback off what you said. Highly encouraged to go go read the Bible. Trust that God's word is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword, and trust that uh, um, that His word would speak to um, those religions and weigh it out. I mean, just uh, as you look at each religion, um, they all have. Con, uh, contradictory things when it comes to the Bible, even though they would all say that the Bible is good or great or whatever it may be. Yeah, and for me, it's like that. That's where I kind of call you know um, a little bit of a sham. I would just say sham. Um, you know, when when I hear other, it's like, oh man, you know, this is what we believe, and here's our camp. Um, but but you know, yeah, we believe in the Bible, but we also have this new. And I'm just like, man, I, there's no need for any of that. And if you read both of them, you'll see a distinct difference between the two. Um, they they are, they don't even read the same, and so there's there's no comparison between what they teach um, or what they even sound like. And yeah. I think for me, that is evidence in and of itself. Like the scriptures clear. Like we don't we don't need anything else. We don't yeah. need any additional word from the Lord. We have the word of God in the, the 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 scriptures, and so we don't need anything else. And I think going to that and trusting that our Bible, the Christian Bible, says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double edged sword. Um, you know, First Timothy three sixteen, all scriptures God breathed. Like trust that, read it. See for yourself. Don't just uh, feed off of what your parents are saying, but really go to the Word of God and allow it to show and shape you. Yeah, that's really good. And that's a, another good plug for more questions. If you have questions along the way as you approach uh, the Bible or as you're having discussions about other religions, um, ask a, a fellow believer, uh, send them in to us at Pastor Mike at imageatl.com. We'd love to be able to answer them. Uh, I'm looking forward, Pastor Mike, to answering more questions, uh, taking on more questions in our, our coming episodes, but please keep those coming via that email at Pastor Mike at imageatl.com. Also, if you haven't already, follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give us a like and rating. Share it with a friend. We really want this to be a resource for you as you're walking through the Christian life. And so as you have the questions, we really appreciate the ratings, the follows, uh, and the, the likes on our podcast. But with that being said, we look forward to more questions in the future and more podcasts in the future. And we'll talk to you all in a couple weeks.